Welcome to the Spirited Advocate Podcast, brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, the leading voice for the distilled spirits industry. Now your host, Chris Wonger. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome. Welcome to the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States' first ever podcast. So bear with us, uh, our audience, uh, as we're learning through this, but we are very, very privileged to have Mr. William Lavelle, President and CEO of the Irish Whiskey Association, uh, here visiting us in Washington, D.C. And William, we've got a lot to talk about, a lot to catch up on, but let me tell you something, and I think everybody in the distilled spirits industry knows uh, there are some amazing things going on with Irish whiskey. The consumers all over the world are gravitating to Irish whiskey. And uh, with that, uh, just the growth. Uh, William told me earlier that in 2010, uh, there were four great Irish whiskey distilleries. And uh, I think it, uh, very soon there's going to be 31, or at the end of this past year, there was 31. Yep. So, William, tell us about the Irish Whiskey Association and uh, just what's been happening with consumers really gravitating to the great taste of Irish whiskey. Yeah, well, thanks, Chris, for having me on. It was great to visit you here yeah. again in D.C. Um, yeah, Ireland invented whiskey. Uh, we've been making it longer than anyone else. But despite that long history, really what has happened in the past decade has been phenomenal, unprecedented. So we had a pretty bad 20th century. It kind of all fell apart for the Irish whiskey industry. And back in 2010, we were in a, a still a weak spot. There was only four distilleries on the island of Ireland. We were selling less than six million cases but 70 million bottles around the world. Fast forward 10 years to where we are now. We now have 31 distilleries, up from four. That's amazing. Uh, the sales of Irish whiskey have doubled. They will be over 12 million cases this year. Uh, we call it the Irish whiskey renaissance. 10 years of just phenomenal, fantastic growth. And why has this happened? Well, consumers around the world, particularly here in the U.S., have rediscovered Irish whiskey. You know why? Because it's smooth, right? Well, yeah, it's well, smooth, right? So, yeah, that's one, I think, the key aspects of Irish whiskey. And that's not by accident. You know, Ireland is uh, an island out in the Atlantic. We're further out in the Atlantic than, say, Scotland. We're more southerly than Scotland. That means our climate has a massive impact on our whiskey. So the rate at which whiskey matures in the barrels. So you get a much smoother whiskey. Uh, because historically we've triple distilled our whiskey. We still double distill in some cases. But triple distillation is norm. You get, a, again, a much smoother, much palatable, much approachable liquid. And I think as consumers around the world have rediscovered that, they've said, we like this. And not only do they like Irish whiskey, they are experimenting, they're uh, exploring more different brands and expressions across the category. They're trading up, uh, investing in premium brands. Beautiful and distilleries yeah. all around the country and so forth. Yeah, and last year we three hundred. Well, we had a million visitors for the first time to our distilleries last year, 300,000 of whom came from the United States. And our distilleries are amazing places. So from, you know, the gritty Liberties area of Dublin through to the remote beauty of the Wild Atlantic Way, you have these amazing distilleries set in amazing parts of Ireland. And as we say, what makes Irish whiskey is the people and the place. Yep. It's the master craftsmen, the distillers, the blenders who have been the custodians of that distilling and blending craft that was invented in Ireland centuries ago. And it's the places. 
uh, as I say, the urban distilleries, the rural distilleries, they could be set, set on top of a mountain or beside the sea. They are what is giving Irish whiskey its character sure. and its diversity. So, William, tell us about the Irish Whiskey Association. What do you do? You and I have got kind of similar okay. jobs, really privileged to represent great brands, great whiskey, great distilled spirits products. Tell us about yeah. uh, the Irish Whiskey Association in your reference. So up until a few years ago, the Irish Whiskey Distilleries would have sat with other spirits in another association. And in 2014, they decided, look, we're growing very fast. It's time we had our own association. So the Irish Whiskey Association was born in 2014. As of today, we have 43 member companies. Very important to say that we represent the whole of the island of Ireland. So both the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, which is part of the United sure. Kingdom. Um, we represent world So you're the glue. Irish mm -hmm. Whiskey Association kind of brings Northern yeah. Ireland yeah. and... Uh, the lower part of Ireland together. Yeah. As we say, there's no such thing as a Republic of Ireland whiskey industry. There's no such thing as a Northern Ireland whiskey sure. industry. There's just one Irish whiskey industry united across the island, working hand in hand together for the interests of the industry. Uh, and you know, our industry has global players like Perna Ricard and William Grants and uh, Jose Cuervo and Diageo. And we have a whole range of smaller craft distilleries uh, founded and led by, you know, uh, amazing Irish entrepreneurs. And I think because we're growing so fast, I really love being in this job because of the solidarity in our industry. We are, you know, we're growing fast. We see new market opportunities out there. People want to work together. Um, and, you know, it's, it's challenging as an industry. When you grow this fast, you face a lot of challenges, be it the rise of fake whiskies, be it the fact that we have regulatory and, and trade challenges sure. uh, that we're obviously very familiar in terms of tariffs. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great industry, great association, and it's just a great time for Irish whiskey generally. So, William, one of the things that we've been trying to do here at the Distilled Spirits Council, uh, because... Uh, the Distilled Spirits Council has been around since 1971, but one of the things that we're trying to do is really play a positive unifying force within the industry, really bring the industry together on big things that matter for everybody. Uh, you've had to do that. You're doing that now with the Irish Whiskey Association. So bring those 43 members together to focus on issues like the uh, the retaliatory tariffs coming from the Trump administration on Irish whiskey, single malt Irish whiskey from Northern Ireland. Could you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah. So like yourselves and like the rest of the global spirits industry, we are committed to promoting and striving for zero tariff global trade on spirits. Uh, we don't want to see tariffs on any of our competitors. We want to see free trade in spirits, a competitive zero tariff market. Uh, it saddens us to see in the European Union that really good U.S. whiskies are being hit by a tariff. It saddens us to see Scotch being hit with a tariff in the U.S. And obviously it really saddens us to see a small number of our own Northern Irish single malt whiskies being hit with, by tariffs sure. in the U.S. Uh, we're working obviously with the Still Spirits Council, with our colleagues in Spirits Europe and Scotch, Scotch Whiskey, Whiskey Association, Association. Yep. working all together to lobby. So be it the U.S. administration here in Washington, the EU Commission in Brussels, the UK government in London, the Irish government in Dublin. We have, uh, we're, we're working and lobbying all of these administrations, uh, putting the pressure on to de-escalate this trade dispute. We want to get the parties intensifying their negotiations around the table. We want to see an agreement whereby all of the tariffs that are on different spirits, going different Our ways removed. across the Atlantic, 
are removed and we get back to a level playing field and proper healthy competition there is no winner in a trade war and actually the ultimate loser is the consumers and let's not fool ourselves if you put tariffs on another country you're actually ultimately hitting the consumers in your own country who yeah. like buying that product absolutely in the u.s I think for Irish whiskey, for the 12 million cases of Irish whiskey that you sell, uh, 48% of that is in the U.S. market. Is that yeah, right? Yes, so 48% across North America, 43% in the U.S. US. So it is our biggest market. But you know what I would be saying is that if, if the U.S. was to hit Ireland with more tariffs, you're not hitting Ireland. You're hitting American consumers, American consumers and a very large Irish-American community sure. for whom Irish whiskey is a very important part oh, of their self-identity. Absolutely. And, and it's a week before St. Patrick's Day now. You know, it's a, it's it's part of their cultural identity. Sure. And, you know, we, we continue to sell that message, the importance of Irish whiskey to the Irish-American community. And I do think that message is resonating with uh, decision makers. So for our listeners, check this out. Since 1997, there's been a zero for zero tariff on distilled spirits between, in large part, the, U, the U.S. and the EU. Uh, we were uh, unfortunately uh, faced with headwinds when Unfortunately, through a trade dispute not related to our industry, uh, steel and aluminum, uh, the the U.S. Uh, the EU imposed a 25% tariff on American whiskey, and as a result of a different trade dispute over Boeing and Airbus plane parts, just recently in October 2019, uh, the U.S. imposed uh, tariffs a 25% tariff on great Irish whiskey from Northern Ireland, uh, single malt Irish whiskey cordials and liqueurs and in single malt scotch so our industry is working very very hard uh trying to play a positive role with both governments the eu and the u.s really to sit back and uh have a toast and let's not impose tariffs on this great industry so william a little bit of fun your favorite cocktail your favorite drink now i know I can't pick a favorite brand because we represent so many great, great brands. But do you have a favorite cocktail that you could tell us about? I've never been actually a cocktail person, but I come from Ireland, which is a great island for drinks. So sure. I'm going to say something controversial now on the Spurs podcast. That's okay. say, you know, like every Irishman, I like a good pint of Guinness, but I'm also obviously a big fan of Irish whiskey. And yeah, let's get specific here. In Ireland, we create a type of whiskey called pot still Irish whiskey. Uh-huh. And that is that would be my go-to. Um, while I'm, I won't pick out a favorite brand, you know, some of your listeners might be aware of brands like Red Breast or Green Spot, sure. uh, Powers John's Lane, the new Kilbegans pot still, the new Drumshambo pot still. They're all types of a whiskey called pot still. Um, and very different to single malt. In single malt, they use 100% malted barley. Mm-hmm. In Ireland, we use a mix of malted and unmalted barley, and it gives the whiskey a, a, a crispness and a spiciness, yeah. which is unique to Ireland. And uh, That's called single pot still. That would be my go-to drink uh, of, of, of whiskeys. As, as we say in Ireland, look, we're very proud to be part of the world whiskey community. We don't say we're better than that Scotch sure. or better than bourbon, of course. but we're all different, you know. And, yeah, I, and each I, and category like, has its uh, great heritage and story, and that's definitely yeah. been the case. And, and you, know, you did say whiskey started in Ireland. It did. So right? we're very proud of our, our legacy in whiskey production, and we're very proud that we have single pot still, which is unique to Ireland. All right, here's my next question. If you had to have a single pot still whiskey yeah. with anybody, anybody on the planet, dead or alive, you know, 
who would that one person be? Just to have a, a oh. pot still uh, glass of whiskey with. Besides I, me, of course. Of course, right, Chris, right. Um, I don't know, Bruce Springsteen, maybe. Regular, a regular out. visitor to Ireland, by the way, and a man I know who does like his whiskey, but uh, a big fan of the boss, so I wouldn't mind that. Um, would be very good. Yeah. I like that. The boss, indeed. Yeah. Well, if not, you can just go up to New Jersey and probably find them. So uh, tell us tell us more about the big issues that you're working on. Uh, I guess Brexit. You got Brexit. Yeah. Uh, having to navigate uh, through because you represent both uh, mm -hmm. Ireland and the distilleries in Northern Ireland, which are part of the UK. Yeah. So is Brexit another big issue, Brexit complication? is potentially a massive issue for us and always has been. As I said, we're an integrated all-island industry. So anything that pulls apart the two parts of the island is by definition not good for us. At a very early stage, we got commitments of both the EU Commission and the UK government that the geographic indication, the basic law that defines and protects Irish whiskey, will continue to be recognised and enforced equally both by the EU and the UK. So that was a major success that we got at a very early stage. But going forward, uh, whereas once upon a time all Irish whiskey was exported from the EU, now Irish whiskey has been exported from two trading blocks, the EU and the UK. Yeah. Um, and what we really don't want to happen is have a two-tier industry. So we don't want exporters from the Republic of Ireland who are in the EU to have access to free trade agreements that their counterparts in Northern Ireland don't. Would not have. Or similarly, we don't want rules being brought in in one jurisdiction for example, in relation to labelling, that don't apply in the other sure. jurisdiction. We want to keep a single unified industry. We do not want a two-tier industry. That is the major risk that we are facing. It also just means we have to double our workload. So sure. Whereas once upon a time, I'd go off and lobby on trade issues in Brussels. Yeah. Now I have to replicate that and my team have to replicate that in Whitehall in London. So it is a big issue for us. And on top of that, you know, there's a whole uncertainty for companies in, in the UK. Um, I think if you talk to if you talk to a small distillery, even a large distillery in Northern Ireland, there's real uncertainty. What does the future hold for post-EU United sure. Kingdom? Will the economy survive? What will happen to currency uh, fluctuations? And all of that is leading to uncertainty. And uncertainty is not good for our industry. We have enough uncertainty at the moment with coronavirus. Brexit has just been this massive cloud hanging over, particularly the Northern Ireland industry, for the last three years. Um, and we're still not there. I mean, the UK, yes, have left, but they have until the end of this year to agree a new trade agreement with the yeah. EU. Now that's going. The negotiations started last week, but in order to try to get an agreement in place by the end of December, it really is a very tough ask. So let me let me ask you something, William. That the twenty five percent tariffs imposed on a single malt Irish whiskey from Northern Ireland, uh, those were imposed at the end of October twenty nineteen. Are are you already seeing an impact on uh, Irish whiskey exports from? from uh, Northern Ireland to the U.S., or is it still too early to tell? At this stage, I think it is too early to say, because we are talking about a very small number of brands. Thankfully, 99.9% .9 of Irish whiskey has been excluded from tariffs. Sure. The reality is there is a small number of brands, 
And it, it, I suppose it's even more sensitive that they come from Northern Ireland. Sure. Because anything that you do that damages the economy in Northern Ireland is also damaging the Good Friday Agreement and the peace process. Yeah. So I think, you know, these Which tariffs... Which is always a delicate issue. Absolutely. These right. tariffs, you know, if they were to hit one segment of the Irish whiskey industry, they'd probably pick the worst segment to hit. Sure. So they're, they're very regrettable and we would hope that they would be lifted as soon as possible. But it is an example of what I was saying in Brexit. We, by having tariffs on North, some Northern Irish whiskies, single malls, but not single malls from the south, we're already beginning to see a two-tier industry. Sure. That could accelerate under Brexit, but we hope not. So tell us, I mean, one of the challenges that we're all facing globally uh, is COVID-19 uh, and the virus and so forth. Are you seeing an impact on travel retail? Uh, obviously, you know, uh, you know, every country, I think in Ireland, uh, you know, they've shut down schools mm -hmm. and so forth. So uh, tell us a little bit about that. And uh, certainly, you know, the world's going to get back to order at some point someday. Uh, uh, just tell us about that and your concerns. Yeah, that. I think even today as we speak, a number of our uh, distillery visitor centers have decided today to close their doors. Sure. Uh, primarily to protect their staff and protect the production staff. Production. Because these are production facilities as well. Uh, and I think the decision was made, we need to protect production, keep external people sure. out. Uh, I think there's going to be most definite impact on global travel retail. We have some anecdotal evidence over the last three weeks to say there has been a slump in sales. Uh, some brands, some companies might be more overexposed than others to global travel retail. Sure. And the announcement we've had in the last 24 hours that uh, the US is going to impose a travel ban on citizens from the Schengen area, 22 countries within the EU. That obviously further reduces the number of people who will be traveling. And all of that reduces the market that's there for global travel retail. So I do think it will hit all companies, maybe some companies more than others. Um, but we don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, you know, we just have to trust that the governments and the public health authorities are, are giving us the right advice, taking the right decisions. The sooner we probably take these tough decisions like closing schools and everything we'll, else, we'll get the sooner we'll get out of it. Yeah. yeah, And hopefully we'll get out of it without too much economic damage. Yeah, and thinking about those people that are affected and the families, yeah. but look, this is going to be a collective effort and everybody wash yeah. their hands and uh, social distancing is a new yeah. term that's just come into our yeah. lives over the last couple of weeks. We're slightly social right. distancing for about two foot, but... Uh, uh, the Irish Whiskey Association works closely with Spirits Europe, Scotch Whiskey Association, the Cognac Association, the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. Tell us about how important that is. Tell us what Discus can do better to support the Irish Whiskey Association, if you can. Well, first of all, I must say Discus and the Irish Whiskey Association have a fantastic partnership. So even over the last 12 months, uh, this time last year, we, we jointly organized a really great celebration of Irish whiskey in the Irish consulate in New York, a large amount of media. And it was great to see those media over the course of the following year, writing up articles about Irish whiskey, giving it its recognition that it may not have got before sure. that in mainstream US media. We followed that up with a trip, uh, Joint Discus Irish Whiskey Association media trip to Ireland last June, which was a blast. The distilleries. I'll tell you, the, yeah. ten, the 10 lucky journalists on that trip had the time <laughs> of their lives. I and bet they uh, did. Again, we're seeing those guys writing really amazing stories about the depth and diversity of our category. Even last night in Philadelphia, 
we had another event. Philadelphia is the current priority for the Irish Whiskey Association. Sure. In terms Big of opportunity for growth in Pennsylvania. Absolutely. Right? So we had an event with 15 of our brands in downtown Philly. And again, thank you to the Distilled Spurs Council for helping us out with some of the local media contacts. We had a very good, uh, very good general attendance with a really good media attendance. Um, well, that's about events. In terms of lobbying, I mean, it's, I think trade associations working together is really important. Uh, we are a globe. We're globally exported products. So, I might be based in Dublin, but what's happening in the U.S. market is really important. So, the ability to pick up the phone or get on an email and understand the local dynamics of uh, what's happening in relation to a new regulatory development or a new piece of legislation. Uh, I was in Canada last week as part of this mm -hmm. trip. Met the guys from Spurs Canada. We've the similar relationship, and I would hope. Likewise, we're 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 in Ireland, we're in the EU. Um, I'm I'm vice chairman of the Spirit Europe Trade Committee. We're here if the US spirit industry has concerns about the EU. We're here on that side of the Atlantic to be your voice. So I think we need to continue that really strong working together. As I say, spirits is a globally traded, premium led category. Uh, we want to see. Uh, tariff-free, barrier-free trade right, right throughout the globe. And I think it's great that the trade associations in different parts of the world can work together to, to have achieved that. Very, very critical. You know, as all of our great member companies compete, compete really hard every day, try to get share of mine of the consumer, uh, it's, it's critical for the trade associations to work in unison. And that's what's so great about our industry because uh, it's important to see the bigger picture and uh, the collaboration that we've had with you, William, and the Irish Whiskey Association uh, has been critical. Eventually, we're going to win the day uh, and get these tariffs removed. Uh, we're working hard, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, we're working closely with the U.S. and the EU uh, government, uh, really, in, and the U.K. as well. As we're navigating all of these big issues, you've got the Brexit, you've got certainly uh, a COVID-19 issue and so forth. But I think our partnership together uh, 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 is, is special and important. So, uh, so with that, as we get ready to uh, uh, move on, uh, first thing I'd like to be able to do is raise a toast. Raise a toast to our friends with the Irish Whiskey Association, to you, William, been a great partner. I think I'm having the opportunity to come see you in early June Absolutely. in great city of Dublin. Yep. So here's to Irish whiskey. Here's to William Lavelle. And thank you for our first podcast. Yeah, and as we say in Ireland, sláinte. Sláinte and cheers. Thank you. The Spirited Advocate podcast was brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. If you'd like to be a guest speaker on the show or send us topic suggestions to cover, please contact us at podcast at distilledspirits.org. And please like and share these episodes. Your support is very appreciated.